It's another year of Todd Gurley versus Melvin Gordon and a new one with James Conner versus Le'Veon Bell. We consider those two debates on today's episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Hello everyone and welcome into another episode of Fantasy Football in 15 here at The Athletic. I am Michael Beller, joined by Derek Van Riper, DVR Debate Week. I think we'll have a few more than just this week, but this Debate Week, rolling on strong. How you doing? Doing really well. Looking forward to discussing a few more players with you today. And yeah, I hope we're trending toward something resembling a normal training camp. But if not, mm-hmm. we will have a debate month, perhaps, for the rest <laughs> of July. We'll have to kind of play it by ear and see if the... The owners can put some safety protocols in place that will make the players comfortable enough to actually begin things as planned. Yeah, I would love to see that. I would love to see uh, the the players, the labor force, uh, be able to go into their workplace feeling safe. It's a uh, it shouldn't be too hard of a thing to ask, but here we find ourselves again, hoping that we uh, have a normal training camp for the NFL coming up within the next couple of weeks here. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, four running backs here today. If you uh, have missed some of our recent episodes, we touched on four quarterbacks, two separate debates of two players each last week. Then on Monday, we got into the wide receiver position. Today, we're going to move over to running back, and this isn't the only time we're going to do it. Training camp, no training camp. These sorts of debates uh, are useful and helpful, and we'll keep on circling back to these ideas as we get closer and closer to the beginning of the NFL season and deeper into draft day discussion. But today we are going to look at four running backs, four guys who are coming off the board up relatively close to one another about uh, the first guys coming off the board uh, right around pick number 25 to 30 overall. And then about a round later, you'll find the second two guys who we're going to talk about today. So let's kick it off with that first two, that first pairing, Todd Gurley and Melvin Gordon, two guys who can't seem to get away from one another, DVR. They've been paired together ever since their college days at Georgia and Wisconsin, respectively, the top two backs in that draft, and they always seem to end up compared against one another. And now, yet again, as they enter uh, this year of their career, they both find themselves on new teams for the first time. Todd Gurley in Atlanta, Melvin Gordon in Denver. NFFC ADP since July 1st, Todd Gurley 26.99, the RB15, Melvin Gordon 28.89, the RB16. So this definitely could be a decision that a lot of fantasy owners find themselves making at some point during their drafts. I'm going to let you take it away first. Who do you prefer and why? It's pretty interesting because if you think about NFFC drafts, the third round reversal puts these guys on teams who are picking near the back of the first round because the second round order repeats in round three. But I would assume that they're both being drafted as kind of early-ish RB2s, and that's kind of reflected in the positional ranks at RB15 and RB16. My preference is actually Todd Gurley. A big part of this is the way the Atlanta backfield is constructed. Uh, Devontae Freeman is gone. Todd Gurley is in, and they didn't change the depth options behind their starter, which was something that really surprised me. I thought even with the addition of Todd Gurley, you know, maybe the cluster of Brian Hill and Ito Smith and Quadri Allison, that group might get broken up or shaken up in some way, and they didn't really bring in anybody you look at and say, that guy is going to be the next starting running back for the Falcons. So I think Gurley is just really stable as the starter. Maybe he shares some passing down work, and and maybe what we saw last year 
during his final season with the Rams is kind of a, a ceiling for his workload in terms of you know carries per game. If he gets more than 250 carries this year, that would be surprising. It would also probably mean that he stayed healthy for all 16 games, which given the state uh, of his knees, you, you have to kind of worry about that. Uh, but still, this is a guy that is in a good offense, at least the league average offense with room to be an above average offense. So the, the TD viability is there. 14 scores a season ago. I think he can come close to that number. I think the offensive line in Atlanta is at least passable. And I think the one area where he really lagged last year where we could get a bit of a boost from Gurley in 2020 is in the passing game. We saw him catch 64 passes back in 2017. We saw him catch 59 passes in 2018. That number dropped to 31 last season. I don't see that being the actual baseline because when I look at those depth running backs, I don't see an obvious pass-catching back who has to get on the field. I don't see a precise route runner. I don't see someone with exceptional hands. Uh, so really, it's just a situation where uh, he's in an offense where there's very little competition, and it all comes down to health. I like that we're getting a reduced price on Todd Gurley. I think this is an appropriate price, a guy I am comfortable with as an RB2, because he could finish as a top-10 fantasy running back. I think that is still within the range of outcomes even if we can't really expect him to get back to his once elite level. Yeah, I think those are all fair points, and Todd Gurley is certainly not someone who I am avoiding by any stretch of the imagination. But when I look at these two guys, I do have a preference for Melvin Gordon. I'm going to end up on the other side of this discussion. I'm very familiar with the arguments against Melvin Gordon, and I have to acknowledge some of the truth behind him. He hasn't been the most efficient runner in his career. He's a guy who really does have to grind it out uh, every single touch that he gets, but grind it out he does, and he racks up those touches, and he makes the most of them. He uh, is a guy who has proved himself to be a capable receiver each of the last four years. He's had at least 41 catches. He's done that the last two years, uh, despite injury uh, in two years ago and the holdout last year, limiting him to 12 games in those seasons, four straight years also. With at least nine touchdowns, he is a very efficient runner at the goal line. Maybe not going to be the sort of guy who uh, busts a bunch of 10 and 15 plus yard runs, but you can hand him the ball at the goal line and he is reliably going to punch it in. Last year had 15 carries inside the five yard line, turned seven of those into touchdowns. So he is someone who is going to get those last one, two, three yards, whatever it is to get into the end zone. And we know how much touchdown viability drives running back value. I know Philip Lindsay's there. Philip Lindsay is obviously a concern for Melvin Gordon's value, but you know who else was a concern for Melvin Gordon's value? Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler is a better overall player than Philip Lindsay. He's certainly a better receiver than Philip Lindsay, and that really didn't bother Melvin Gordon last year very much. Still came out uh, after his holdout and had a very productive season, giving you 612 rushing yards, 296 receiving yards, and nine total touchdowns on a Chargers offense that you know, was good, but is it markedly better than what we're expecting from the 2020 Broncos offense? I don't think so, and I think there's an argument that the Broncos offense could be better this season, so I don't think I feel any reason to be concerned about a downgrade in his offense's overall efficiency. And then on top of that, I don't think the Broncos went out and made this move for Melvin Gordon, committing $16 million to him uh, over the next two years just to make him, you know, in a pure timeshare. I think this is going to be more along the lines of a 70-30 timeshare, something like that. And Philip Lindsay definitely is a threat to take away more than that. Philip Lindsay could play up and, uh, you know, even if it starts at 70-30, could turn it into 60-40. But that would also require Melvin Gordon not playing well. And we really haven't seen that from Melvin Gordon over the last four years of his career. So I think that he uh, ends up 
entrenched as the starter, as the primary back in Denver. And this is an ascending offense. You know, this is, uh, you know, Atlanta was an ascending offense when they went to the Super Bowl, but I think there's a chance that these are two teams trending in opposite directions and you see Denver pass Atlanta in overall offensive production this season. That definitely wouldn't surprise me. You mentioned the issues with Todd Gurley's health. He has the knee issue, and that's always going to be a thing for him for the rest of his career. I think he can surmount it. I think he can deal with it and still play very good football and be a productive running back, but it's something that's going to be there. It's something that Atlanta's going to have to manage, and maybe that means uh, one week or two weeks or every, you know, every third week or something like that. He takes a little bit of a step back in the uh, team's offensive role or the team's uh, offensive production. So I get a little bit concerned about that. I don't have those same concerns with Melvin Gordon. I would take Todd Gurley if I felt running back needy and Melvin Gordon was gone. But if I have my choice between the two, Gordon's going to be the way I go. Yeah, see, I, I think they're both interesting, but I think the problem I have with Melvin Gordon really is Philip Lindsay. I, I just think mm-hmm. they also have a, enough weapons in the passing game where they can be a balanced team as well. Like They, they could have a near-even split between run and pass and then divide up that backfield in a way where I don't know if they necessarily are, are going to have defined roles that are obvious based on situation. I think these guys are actually a little more interchangeable than a lot of people realize. I mean, Philip Lindsay, though, back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons to begin his career. He's cut 35 passes each of the first two seasons as well. It's just he does enough, and he does it well enough to be, I think, more of a thorn in the side of Melvin Gordon than Austin Eckler was with the Chargers. I think a lot of Eckler's damage to Gordon's workloads in recent years really came from what Eckler did in the passing game. So maybe there's a bit of upward mobility for Gordon as a pass catcher in the Denver offense, but I am having a hard time seeing Philip Lindsay just disappearing despite that investment in Gordon. All right, well, I'm going to have to let you have the last word because we got to move on, but be sure to check out our polls. We'll be putting out polls along with all of these, and uh, you can weigh in what you think on Todd Gurley and Melvin Gordon. But we got to move on to our next running back debate. It is a couple of guys who spent some time together once upon a time in Pittsburgh, James Conner and Le'Veon Bell. Bell, of course, in year two with the Jets. James Conner in his third year as the starter in Pittsburgh. Uh, NFFC ADPs for these two guys. You've got James Conner at 35.79. That's the RB19. Le'Veon Bell just behind him. Not even a full half pick later. 36.12, the RB20. So this really clearly has been a debate for NFFC drafters since we turned the calendar to July. I'm going to start this one off. I am backing James Conner here. And frankly, James Conner might be my favorite when we're talking about price of all four of these guys. We'll wrap up the show with a little discussion about that. But Pittsburgh has always leaned on a workhorse. Mike Tomlin in his tenure with the Steelers, which dates back to 2007. Crazy how long Mike Tomlin has been there. Has always wanted a workhorse back from Willie Parker to Richard Mendenhall, to Le'Veon Bell, and now to James Conner. When he has a guy that he knows he can lean on, he leans on that guy. James Conner has been that guy the last two seasons when healthy. In 2018, he had 1,470 yards from scrimmage, 13 touchdowns, 55 catches in just 13 games. Last year, injuries limited him to 10 games, but he had 17 or 715 yards, 7 touchdowns, and 34 catches in those 10 games. And let's remember, he did that with Mason Rudolph and Devlin Hodges as his quarterbacks. Ben Roethlisberger hurt right off the jump last season, and that completely submarined everything the Steelers 
wanted to do. Remarkable that this team was still able to go 8-8 eight and eight speaks to the strength of their defense. But when you think about a running back and you think about the situations you want your running back to be in, you don't just want him playing with a good, competent quarterback who's going to generate yards, generate points, move the offense, convert third downs, all that. You want him playing with a lead. And that was something that the Steelers were rarely able to do last season. And that had more of an effect on James Conner than anyone else on the offense, even with that detriment, and even with those two quarterbacks, Devlin Hodges and Mason Rudolph, running the show for Pittsburgh most of the season, you had James Conner playing at a 16-game pace for 1,144 yards from scrimmage, 11 touchdowns, and 54 catches. And those are about the worst quarterback circumstances that you could have. You get a healthy Ben Roethlisberger back in the fold this year, and everything changes for the Pittsburgh offense. I really like this offense, and I contrast that with the Jets offense that Bell is playing in that really could hurt him again this season. I think he has plenty of volume, and that's locked in, but I think that this Jets offense could really hold him back from reaching his ceiling, whereas Pittsburgh's offense lifts James Conner not only to getting to his ceiling, but lifts his ceiling overall. James Conner is my pick here. Yeah, I mean, I think in Full disclosure, I do prefer Connor to Bell for a lot of reasons, uh, but there is a case to be made for Le'Veon Bell. It's kind of interesting that they're talking about scaling down his workload a little bit, which makes you wonder, would that actually be good for his efficiency? If he dropped five to six carries per game, could that yards per carry number at least get back up over four? He was at 3.2, absolutely dreadful last year. I think the question is, how much are we really expecting Frank Gore and the Michael Pirine to contribute in year one? Uh, with Gore, we saw 166 carries last year in Buffalo, so about 10 carries per game. At, at his age, that's just remarkable. Uh, is that really going to take a ton away from Le'Veon Bell? I don't know. Uh, but a lot of value still comes from pass catching in, in the case of Bell. 66 receptions last year. He's averaging just over 75 a year for the last three years. And I think what really gives me a little bit of hope is that this offense should be at least slightly improved. We talked about it. Uh, with the offensive line on the Jets preview, that being a, a lot better, the continued development of Sam Darnold, that's sort of a rising tide lifts all boats, at least in terms of touchdowns. Like Even if we're still talking about a relatively inefficient volume back when it comes to Le'Veon Bell in 2020, it would be very surprising to see him play 15 or 16 games and finish with four total touchdowns like we saw a year ago. Even if he's brutally inefficient, unless they're going to do something like vulture all the goal line carries with Frank Gore, it would just take some really unusual circumstances for Bell to get 250 to 280 touches and be so absent of TDs. So I just think there's some bad luck TD-wise there, the potential for some increased efficiency, even if the workload does fall with the addition of those other backs. And in PPR leagues, I'm a lot more comfortable with Bell. I think in half PPR, maybe I start to shy away. I'm definitely not even going after him in a non-PPR setting because there are enough things that can go wrong. Like he is pretty dependent upon continuing to have that heavy workload in the Jets passing game. Yeah, 66 catches last year certainly salvaged plenty of his fantasy value. And to his credit, too, played a lot of the season without his starting quarterback, Sam Darnold, uh, expect the offense to be better this year. I'm just not quite sure it reaches up to that Pittsburgh level. Let's wrap it up with that uh, discussion I hinted at, Derek. You're looking at these four guys in total. So, again, Todd Gurley in ADP of 26.99. Melvin Gordon at 28.89. James Conner at 35.79. Le'Veon Bell at 36.12. So, Unlikely that you can get two of these guys on your team unless uh, something happens with their ADPs, but if you're looking at all four of them as a group, 
Which one is your favorite at his price? You know, I actually like Gurley the most of the entire bunch. If I were ranking them all, I'd go Gurley 1, Connor 2, Gordon 3, Bell 4, with that being the smallest gap between any of the players. Not that they're miles apart from each other, but Gordon and Bell are both in that range where I'm just a little uncomfortable at the price, so I'm trying to kind of steer around them when I can. Yeah, I I think that's a a perfectly fair ranking, and again, all four of these guys are pretty close. I'm going to go Connor 1, Gordon 2, Gurley 3, and Bell 4. Again, I just really believe in this Pittsburgh offense, and if we're looking at history as a guide, uh, they have always leaned on that one back when they have that one back, and Connor has proven that he can be that guy. So I'm putting a lot of stock into a healthy Ben Roethlisberger turning things around compared with last year for Pittsburgh. And maybe that gives you a little hint of how I feel about Juju Smith-Schuster this year. I'm sure we will get to him as well. But it can't be today because our show for today is over. Thanks again for listening to us here on Fantasy Football in 15. Please do rate, review, and subscribe to the show. We would really appreciate it. If you are not yet an athletic subscriber, you can get a free 30-day trial at theathletic.com slash football in 15. For DDR, I'm Michael Beller. Fantasy Football in 15. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.